0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, and a happy holiday season! If you are looking to treat the Oz fan in your life, or your own inner child, venture on over to our Etsy swag shop at etsy.com slash shop slash down the YBP, where we just dropped our new wintry designs, including a Feminists and Pets of Oz line, along with an azoturgy dictionary definition design for all folks like us who wish this was their major in college. Consider shopping small and supporting independent artists in your purchases this holiday season. It matters immensely.
1: Hello friend! You are listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, an all-things Wizard of Oz podcast that will take you over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on American culture's most visited fairyland. We are your hosts, Tara
0: and MK, the Royal Revisionists of Oz and roommates in Queens, New York here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, we will be deep diving with the melodies of the many musical adaptations of L. Frank Baum's original Oz book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, taking up residency in the 1939 classic MGM film, as well as the 70s super soul hit, The
1: Wiz visit our insta at down the yellow brick pod for an accompanying scrapbook and fave space to connect as well as our patreon community where we continue the escapism and entertainment with tiny oz concerts acoustic coffee shop covers and mashups not sponsored by npr and other good witchy perks for each patreon tier our patreons are truly our mvps consider joining our oz fam today it would truly make our day
0: May the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals and queens can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Hello, dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining us for our final, final episode of season two, our Oz musical adaptations. We have had so much fun venturing through stage and screen adaptations of Oz, featuring some of our favorite music that we know and love, and some music that was completely new to us. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us on Instagram. And thank you so much to our incredible Patreons. If you would like to find out more about our Patreon, please head on over to patreon.com slash down the yellow brick pod. It is truly thanks to our patrons that we are able to keep our podcast platforms running smoothly, and we are so grateful for a space to be able to connect and keep the Oz Magic going behind the scenes. So, with that being said, we would love to give a huge shout out and all the gratitude to our current patrons. Thank you too. Jay, Stephen, Maureen, Sharon, Jane, Angie, Ross, Brady, Andreas, Nancy, Ryan, Tibby, Joey, Colin, Chelsea, Jessica, Tori, Gabby, Katrina, Leslie, Caroline, Stephanie, and Seth. Thank you so much to our patrons of past, present, and future for all of your support. We appreciate you more than we can say. And now for our final episode a very special interview with a very special guest. We look forward to seeing you back on our feed in 2022. Thanks for joining. Todrick Hall is a multi-talented singer, rapper, actor, director, choreographer, and social media personality who rose to prominence on and after his appearance on American Idol. His popular YouTube channel has over 3.5 million subscribers and 740 million channel views, consisting notably of original songs, musical collaborations, and choreographed flash mobs for Beyonce. Todrick also appears regularly on RuPaul's Drag Race and season two of The Greatest Dancer on BBC. Todrick distinguished himself as a Broadway star completing successful runs in Chicago, The Color Purple, Kinky Boots, Memphis, and Waitress. He visited over 60 cities worldwide with sold-out tours of Straight Outta Oz, Forbidden, and House Party, and won the 2019 Video for Good VMA as co-executive producer on Taylor Swift's LGBTQ plus anthem, You Need to Calm Down. His newest EP, Quarantine Queen, is currently available on all media platforms. His groundbreaking visual albums are available for streaming via youtube.com slash Hall. And you can follow him on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Todrick.
1: Scarecrows lie, and oh no, Oz is full of bros and young girls dropping houses on hoes. Oh. Ah! Kara, original for Todrick. <laughs> but I just had to. I had to do a little, just a little something. Hi, Todrick.
2: Kara, that was, I feel that you're flirting with me. I and it's absolutely, yes, I will go on an Emerald City date with you.
0: Oh, my gosh. Excellent. Can I third wheel,
1: please? You can,
2: absolutely third wheel. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Dreams. dream. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Todrick. Thank you so I'm much Todrick. for being that here. That was
2: honestly, truly incredible. I have to say to you that my love language is like gift giving and surprises, so so that is the quickest way to my heart is to go out of your way to do something incredible and creative like that. Thank you, thank you so much. That has set my day off in the best way possible.
1: Oh my gosh, we'll keep pumping out. Keep pumping out the tunes, and we Inspiring will us. we will sing to them.
2: <laughs> I will absolutely.
1: Oh my gosh, Todrick, Aww. we're so happy to have you. You feel like us to us. Like you are this Willy Wonka wizard of the social media stratosphere. Like what you bring to content is at like another level. Like I feel like you are king of this of how to make your own work, your work ethic, um, the everything that you we've been following you for quite some time. Expe- oh, yeah because of Oz, but also because we're musical theater girls. We grew up on Disney Channel. Um And like all like it just feels like such an explosion of all those worlds, but in a more inclusive way, which is awesome, because that has been some of the problems in the past of a lot of these worlds. So it's just so we're so excited to be talking to you today. And we're just I don't even know how you do what you do. Like the rate you pump things out at <laughs> is unreal to me. I have so many questions and I'm like, will we understand it? Or are we just going to be like, this man is a genius wizard that it. we will just never understand.
2: Oh my so,
1: God. <laughs> excited to maybe understand how you do what you do. But let's start with a little cannonball into the world of Oz. Now we love Oz so much and we do think it speaks in a way. That is quite different than other fantasy lands or other things, especially we're relatively around the same age at the time when we were growing up could have spoke to us. So my first question to you is why Oz? Why not Power Rangers? Why not Wonderland? <laughs> why not Neverland? Why this world? What is it about the story that has stuck with you and seeped into you?
2: I think that as a kid growing up in a really small town in Texas, I didn't even know what existed beyond like the borders of Hill County where I was from, but I did know that I was cut from a different cloth and I wasn't supposed to be there for whatever reason. And um, so I think I always identified with the story of Dorothy. I've always, I was, grew up like as an only child, basically my whole life. I have one younger brother, but we're 14 and a half years apart. Mm -hmm. So... I would always meet friends along the way and treat them as if they were family or brothers and sisters. So I think that I just have always been a person that like is a, is a magnet for people who are disenfranchised and misunderstood, um, and I think that's the way the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion are. They're outcasts They're people who should be brave and aren't, or should be smarter than they think that they are, um, or should be able to feel emotions and are so passionate about the idea of falling in love, but they just can't seem to get there. And I just think I've always identified with those things. And I always also like have had a fascination with the juxtaposition of good and evil. So I always loved mm-hmm. the relationship between the two witches or the four witches actually. And, um, and I also just always loved that parallel universe, almost like the Stranger Things upside down world, where Hickory, Hank, and Zeke are the scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion. And I, I just have always loved that. I thought it was so cool and so creative, especially for a film that was made in 1939. The 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 visuals of going from black and white to color was just so gorgeous, and it was done at a time where that was like the the. The coolest new technological advanced thing to do when it came to cinema. And I don't know, I just have always been so fascinated. I think the story, the song Summer of the Rainbow in and of itself is just such a beautiful mm-hmm. song that can be used to celebrate things or for a funeral or right. whatever. You could sing it at a wedding. You could sing it anywhere. Um, wow. And I just think it's such a beautifully written song. The structure of it is kind of strange. It doesn't really have like a verse and a chorus and a verse mm-hmm. and a you know, like chorus. It's just two verses and a bridge and a, and another verse and... I don't know. I just have just I just think it is such a beautifully crafted piece of work and I have always been fascinated with it.
0: We couldn't agree more. Yeah. (laughs) We would have been best friends growing up.
2: There's still time, MK. There is still time for us yet.
0: There's still time. It's happening. So was the 1939 film that was your introduction to the world of Oz?
2: Yes, it was. Cool. Um I, I was I remember accidentally seeing it somehow on television. And I was so young that I didn't remember what it was called. So I used to ask my mom, please go to the, the grocery store and get Cinderella. But the one with the witch in it. And every week she'd bring back Cinderella. And I was like, fine, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. I went with her to the store, to the store. And I think that's also part of my fascination with it. Had to fight so hard to get that movie. <laughs> Yes, and yep. once I got it, I just watched it on repeat nonstop. And then, uh, and then my dad actually introduced me to The Wiz. He said, "Well, you know, there's like an African American chocolate, more contemporary, urban version of The Wizard of Oz." And I was like, "No, there's not." Like I just thought I did everything I was to know about Oz. And he introduced me to that one, and then I just fell in love with that and became. Re obsessed with the whole world of Oz, and then I started watching Return to Oz with mm-hmm. TikTok, and um, oh
1: my god, the OG yes. TikTok, yes, the OG,
2: OG, OG TikTok. TikTok, exactly. Before there was a, before there was an app, before Kesha, there was the OG TikTok. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's so sweet, and that gave me so much nostalgia. Like going to the video store, I miss those days.
2: That was when it was an event to watch a movie. It was a lot of work. You had to really want to watch it.
1: Yeah, I used to feel like when I would was little, and we were like in a store that like anything Wizard of Oz was in, I felt like someone knew I was coming. Mm. Like I was like, oh, they put that there for me. Like it would make me feel like. Oh, like that, like just that settle, whatever that feeling is when you're like in a new environment, that's settling. Anytime I saw anything was revised, if I was at blockbuster or Mm. if I was anywhere, I would just like settle. Yes.
2: Yeah. It's so strange. I can walk into a store that's just full of gadgets and gizmos aplenty and I (laughs) will just see that yellow brick road, those poppies, the Emerald City, and I can just spot that red, yellow, and green like anywhere. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. doom, like just laser focus. There's something Oz here.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And there's something about just even the colors that are so recognizable. And you even mentioned like that new technology of the film. And that's what I always equate my love of Oz to is that moment as a kid of the set, the sepia tones into the color that has stuck with me forever. And Mm -hmm. I love how you, how you played with that. I'm getting ahead of myself with straight out of Oz, but.
1: I have (laughs) a fun question since we started to touch on this. Um, I feel like your answer to this is going to be really fun. So we were thinking like, okay, we have so many stinking apps now right like so many different social media apps it just keeps it feels like there's another thing always to join and I was wondering like okay look at if these apps were lands in in Oz like what (laughs) would they be like would TikTok be the Gen Z munchkin land would (laughs) the Wicked Witch's Castle be like a boomer on Twitter would like Emerald City be like a filter on Instagram or something what are your feelings like what would you assign in oz to different apps and ways to communicate on social media
2: okay well i would say like maybe i would say the youtube app which i forget is a youtube app i would class Mm -hmm. that as the witch because she's always like watching people from a distance and watching like her crystal ball so i would say that i would say (laughs) that like Emerald City would be like Uber Eats or something where everybody is going to get, you know, the headquarters of Uber Eats where they're sending out, you know, food that's like (laughs) vegan and healthy to everyone. Um, I always have thought the Tin Man was gay. Like, I'm like, if there was anyone that was going to be gay, the Tin Man would be there. He's like so like rough and rugged and like, you know, like... Probably, like, got rusted out there because he was, like, hanging out on a hookup in the middle of the forest for too long. And so I would say that the Tin Man would have some sort of, like, dating app, you know, Tender. which is why he's needing love. Yeah, Tin um, <laughs> yeah, Yes. And I would say, like, the lion could do some sort of, like, animal grooming app, like, where he'd go pick up people and, like, trim Ooh. their hair. Because he's had the experience. At the Oz, um, at the Emerald City, yeah. you know, barber shop yes, that he goes yes. to. Yeah, so maybe that, dog and maybe dog walk- Yeah, he
1: could be the dog walking. He could apps. be the grooming version of the dog walking. Yeah
2: exactly something mm. like that or Toto could have his own app that would you know like that would make more sense for him to be the the dog walking app actually um I like this though that was I was like I have no idea but then I was like this is kind of a fun game to play
1: Ooh, it makes I mean Ask, I feel like you connect to anything so even our social media yeah. apps yeah. which is pretty amazing yeah why not <laughs>
0: Mm. So what sort of, you mentioned Oz as something that inspired you from a young age. Uh, Did that lead you into the world of theater and performing? Because we, on our pod, we're only in our second season, but it seems like a really strong through line with Oz is the stage and Broadway and musical theater. So did that lead you into performing?
2: I think it was definitely a part of it. It all kind of happened around the same time. I was found by an elementary school teacher um, when I was, seven or eight years old. And the, actually the this is, I've told this story a ton of times, but um, to be tested for the gifted and talented program, apparently my teachers had said like, we have this one kid who's so creative. You should test him for this program. And I'll never forget this lady, Pat Carthel coming into the library and kneeling down to me and being like, hi, tall I'm Pat. And like, I'm going to test you for this program. Cause we, we, I hear that you're a special kid and Um, They gave us six boxes with squiggly lines and you had to turn those boxes into something. And I turned them into the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, the Lion, Dorothy, Glenda, and the Wicked Witch. And that's how I got into the Gifted and Talented program, which ended up being the thing that's saved and changed my life, in my opinion, because... Um, From that, I started taking dance class because Pat Carthold, my gifted and talented teacher's daughter, owned the only dance studio in town. She started giving me dance classes with a scholarship and then the Nutcracker came in town. So in a way, Wizard of Oz was like part of my test that I passed to get, you know, unlocked into this like room of kids who were also creative. And the teacher just took a strong liking to me and we created a, a really great relationship to the point where we still talk now. And um, she comes to every show that I'm in on Broadway and every one of my concerts. And uh, so, yeah, I would say that the Wizard of Oz definitely inspired the idea of singing and dancing and performing and becoming different characters because like I say, in my "Stray out of Oz live show, um, when I was growing up, I played all the characters. I was Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man and Lion at my Mm -hmm. house. I played all the characters, um, different versions of those characters. I knew every song, even the, um, There's a return to Oz or a journey back to Oz or something with Mombi and (laughs) legendary people are the voices of those of those characters that I didn't even know when I was that young. All of the Broadway actors that were playing those characters. Um, So I I remembered that I would watch it all the time. I knew every single song and I just became obsessed at a very, very young age with anything that had to do with Wizard of Oz. if It was Oz themed in any way, shape or form. I loved it.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. I mean, are you talking about Miss Ethel Merman <laughs> as Mambi?
2: No, just her. You just casual. Know,
1: casual belting of I'm a witch. Um, we also, to understand this obsession. Yes. And I just love that, oh my god, like you were already making straight out of Oz before you even knew you were making straight out of Oz. Mm-hmm. Just by a simple question of make something out of this box. You're like, wow. well, yeah. I'm not going to be boxed in, Like, but here's what I know. It's <laughs> That is just so beautiful to hear. Like, I do think we, we, that's like that example of Oz of like this, we have, we have what we need inside of us. That's that. Like, you've already had all of this from Mm -hmm. like the get go and now how it's being expressed keeps changing. Wow. Thank you for sharing that.
2: Oh, thank you for listening. I love the fact that I get to geek out over the Wizard of Oz because none of my friends really understand it.
1: We will we fill that it. box for you. <laughs> this is what we do every day. We're here for you.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I feel so supported. Good.
1: Good, good, good. We're getting into like how you got uh, the Gifted and Talented program. Like what a name too. Like I wish I was in something my so school cool. school had that as Gifted well. Gifted and Talented. Yeah. I love that. The GATE program. The GATE program. Yeah. Oh my God. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So when did you feel like you started like awaking to your yellow brick road as like taking on the title of artist? Was it a road that you thought you would maybe follow someone else's or is it one that you would always feel like you had this, like, I have to trailblaze this road?
2: I always had to trailblaze. And the reason why was because when I was growing up in Texas, it wasn't cool or common to have theater programs and music programs they did in a way but it was very small and very clicky and it was very very political and it was Mm -hmm. not a time where people were doing colorblind casting and willing to take risks on people like me um i was Fortunate enough to go to a high school that, on my senior year, after never being involved in the musical theater department, they put up a poster saying they were going to have auditions for The Wizard of Oz. The first day of senior year, I walk into the school and I'm like, shut up, The Wizard of Oz, they're doing that at our school. (laughs) And so I ended up, you know, trying to, like, make my way down to the theater department head and talk to her and express to her, like, my devotion to the world of us mm-hmm. and all things El Frank Baum since I was a child. So, like, I was like, I have to be a part of this. But before that, there weren't very many opportunities for me to express myself unless I created them myself. So I kind of have like my area to thank for my creativity because I was able to exercise that muscle a lot and I had no choice if I wanted to perform. I remember that when I was in like the eighth or ninth grade. I decided to mount my own production of The Wizard of Oz. And it was just like the most rinky-dink, homemade DIY version of Oz there ever was going to be. I made all of the sets and costumes myself and like painted them out of like, Cardboard like refrigerator boxes and stuff. I mean, it was that type of production. Uh, but my choir teacher at the time was like really, really upset that I did it, and she reached out to Tam's Whitmark, who owned the rights to the the musical version of the show, and they sent me a cease and desist letter that scared the bejesus out of me. And you know, when you get a letter like that at such a young age, I was so just like. Hmm. Just sad does not even cut it to express the way I felt in that moment. I was just so disheartened and just so defeated and just depressed and so sad. And I ended up getting on my dial-up internet and finding out that The Wizard of Oz was in public domain. And if I were able to write my own version of The Wizard of Oz, I could still put on my production. They tried to get me kicked out of the school, at, but we had already given our deposit to the Uh, Arlington Independent School District, so there was no way that they could. And, um, And you're
1: like 16 doing this?
2: I was 16, around 15 what? or 16. And so I got and went in my backyard and I started writing all of these songs and I wrote my own version of The Wizard of Oz and we were able to still do the production. It was so much more fun than it would have been if we had done the original. I wrote all new songs, modernized it a lot. There were a lot of pop culture references in it. And I went on to perform that show like around the country and audition little kids and introduce kids to theater. It was like my passion project for a long time. It was called Oz the Musical. Yeah. Um, it yes. was a very, very difficult chapter in my life, and I learned a lot of hard lessons because that show went on to become a tour that the producer and I could not afford to keep afloat. And so I learned some really, really hard, hard lessons from that show, and I haven't performed it really since that happened. But um, but it, it's a great show, and I'm trying to find a, a, a place right now. I know that you're going to maybe ask me later in every interview. They say, what's next for you? But that would be part <laughs> of what I want to do next. I want to make... Give that production another life and let people be able to perform it at their community theaters and yeah, yeah. Um, regional theaters, children's theaters because it's such a fun show with really, really great, fun, catchy music. You'll have to let you listen to it at some point.
1: Oh my gosh! We this be is honored. A, this is with uh, Diana DeGarmo was in it in the past. Yeah, she yeah. was. We listened to incredible.
2: So uh, good, um, like, yeah, her voice.
1: Oh a hundred percent. I was, yeah, huge fan. A huge fan of Diana yeah. Garmo. I remember her seeing her as Penny in Hairspray. Yes, and I was like, yeah. I love this girl. In yes. my
2: opinion, she is the best Penny Pingleton there ever was, like after the original. Like I just Yeah, I think she's incredible. We did it together at the Hollywood Bowl. I was in the ensemble yes. and she was Penny Pingleton and I saw I was, that
0: production. You did? Yes. Yes, I, I was there
2: in the oh ensemble twirling it up
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is
0: such a wild story though, that I didn't you know got that. A cease and
1: desist at age sixteen. There's other ways that that could have gone down. That's just right. what my heart said when you were sharing that. I was right. like there are so many other ways that they could have gone about this. That could have gone about. and it just makes me that whoever this teacher may be, I'm just like, who crushed your dream mm. to
2: that teacher? Well, it's I like, have to say why this would
1: you do that? To,
2: to shine a little light on that. First of all, if okay. if she had not done that, I don't think that I would have started like a hundred skill like of writing music at that age. Yes. It, it taught me to be resilient. It taught me to be persistent, to find a way, which I had to do the rest of my life with mm-hmm. everything. Oh, door that was right. shut, I had to find a way to like make it open again or find a tunnel, find a window, pick a lock, mm-hmm. do whatever I had to do to get out of it. <laughs> and so I think that she planted that seed in me to like fight and not accept no for an answer because that's what most people would have okay. done. And I was not willing to do that. But also since then, she has completely changed her tune. She comes to see me with her theater kids and Broadway mm-hmm. shows. I see her at the stage door, bring her backstage. And she always is so apologetic for that because she's like, I think that I was just a young, early 20s kid. You know, you don't have to be, sometimes we look right. at teachers and we're like, they're adults, know. you know, but like right. she was they're probably Latin. 22 or 23 years old teaching in a middle school and, or in a high school. And she was just like, I was just so intimidated and it felt like it was disrespectful at the time for whatever reason that you were going behind our back to create art. And I should have created a scenario where I helped you and let us use our resources. They made it so hard for us to do the show. They didn't want us to use the crew, their lights, their their rigging no. system, the fly system. I mean, it was really, really difficult. And she was like, I wish that we would have done that. But it I knew that you were a star in that mm-hmm. moment because the production that you did was better than any production that we had done. <laughs> and now when I tell that story, like it has changed the way I look at my students. And anytime I have a, a student that really has a passion to do things. I always, always uplift them. And I think about you and I tell that story. So it ended up being a really great, a happily ever after in the yeah. end, even though yeah, at the time yeah. it was difficult for me to see that.
1: Th- yeah. that tenacity you have, can you speak to that with like, okay, I'll just write my own music. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people can't say that Todrick mm-hmm. be like, okay, yeah, I'll just write my own show. Cause they're like, wait, what? Like <laughs> that skill might be something where like, you know, the faucet you try to turn it, but nothing comes out. I think that <laughs> might, I might be speaking for myself. I'm like, I want to hey, write right. music and I'm like, come on, come on lyrics. Come on out. Um, But like, can you talk to like that tenacity, a little bit of like what kept you going and also like what gave you, how did you know you could write music?
2: I didn't know that I could write music. I really didn't. I had never written a song before. And at the end of this, I'll play for you just like the first clips of the song someday. Cause it was the first song I ever wrote in my entire life. And it's to me, when I hear it, I get I chills it. because I think about the younger, like 15, 16-year-old version of me who went outside. And the lyrics are such an expression for how I felt at that time. But I did not know that I could write music. I had no idea. But I also think that the human brain is capable of so much more than we make it do. Like, we're so dead set on having schedules and having outlines and a blueprint for how something should be done. And sometimes we forget that someone had to make that blueprint. Someone had to do it first to prove that it could be done. And so I just always have felt like if, The entertainment industry didn't have a place for me. That didn't mean that I wasn't still born to entertain and I needed to find a way to like make people hear my voice because I knew my entire life that I had to kind of like squint my eyes and see myself in the stories that I watched, including The Wizard of Oz. I think that there was always Mm -hmm. a longing to see someone who looked like me in The Wizard of Oz because I loved it so much. And I think also there's a part of it that I've never thought about this before that maybe I felt like I connected with it because I was only allowed to watch musical theater things or like Disney projects, but they never had people who looked like me. And I think there was a world where like maybe a part of me thought like maybe the scarecrow could be African-American or Tin Man or Lion because they weren't white. They weren't human at all, actually. And so I think that could be like a part of the reason why I connected with them so much because Dorothy didn't care what race they were, what species they were, what material they were made out of. She just saw the goodness in them, even though sometimes it was difficult to see the scarecrow was a bit of a hot mess mm-hmm. and the t- it just kept rusting and slowing down everybody and the lion. I mean, right. I don't even need to talk about how much of a mess he was. <laughs> and, um, but she was just so ride or die for them. And I just loved that so much. So, um, yeah, I think that It was just one of those, one of those things. And also it's, it's like kind of a metaphor for what Dorothy had to do. What what she had to do was unthinkable. The idea that she had to go to this world walk because there was no transportation for her Mm -hmm. through the world by herself as a young high school aged teenager. And literally murder someone in order to get back home. That's how bad she needed to. All these these catty bitches are fighting over her shoes. I mean, the whole story is quite ridiculous, but somehow it's so endearing and heartwarming when you watch it.
1: Yes. I just love what you said. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I love when this happens, when like little thoughts are percolating in the brain and then someone says what you were thinking. It's like, oh, my Mm God. Oh, my God. This must be in my head for a reason about like arbitrary rules. Like we have so many rules to do things. And like, but why are why are those rules like that? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's probably keeping someone in power. Or, like, saying this is the only way to protect whoever is behind the rule setting. Mm -hmm. So you just saying that, I'm like, right. Like, Mm. there is no rules on creativity. There's just, there can't be. Like, we each have our own, our own yellow brick road. Yeah. Yeah, like, our own yellow brick road to it. Yeah. Or maybe it's a blue brick road. It doesn't even have to be yellow. <laughs> you get to choose whatever you're
0: feeling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Some, because we have been so programmed to believe those things, I think it's constant practice. You have to wake up every day and make a conscious yes. choice to like live your real experience, not the experience that America or society has told you to live. And it's difficult for me, even as somebody who prides themselves and as someone who thinks outside the box. It's its difficult for me. In fact, right now I'm prepping for my next tour next year. And I am someone who is a huge proud member of the LGBTQ plus community. And I don't feel like I have enough trans representation. I feel like I always have boys dressed in pants and, you know, like button up shirts and girls and leotards. And so this year with all of the costuming, I'm really trying to be more like fluid and gender bending and like trying to make people wear things where it doesn't matter. The formation doesn't matter if you're a girl or a boy, you're just standing in a spot and doing the choreography. And I want it to be a little bit less like, you know, expected and you know basic because that's not who I am. And I really want to and there, there's nothing wrong with that, if that's what, you know, people want to do. But to me, it's not revolutionary. And I'm trying to like really challenge myself to think outside the box more and more every day. And I'm learning so much. I'm so grateful in some ways that this pandemic has happened because there's been a lot of time to sit down and think about what is actually important to us, which is kind of one of the purposes of, of, The Wizard of Oz, like, there's no place like home at the end of the day. Like, what is the most important thing to you? And I think that's a question that Dorothy has to ask herself and has to learn. Some would say the hard way, but I'd say it's in like the best best way way, possible by changing these lives and making new friends that who knows if they actually exist or not, but to her, they very much so exist. You know? Yeah, Mm, if she
1: just went right back home, girl would have missed a lot, missed a, a whole journey.
0: And Todrick, I feel like by you following your own road and sort of forging your own path, you inspire other people and, to do the same. and help them know that they can do the same. I yeah. mean, I, I have followed your YouTube since the beginning, and I feel like you're mm-hmm. an early pioneer of – creating your own work. And even if it's as simple as singing in the drive-thru of McDonald's, like (laughs) people want that joy and it's inspiring. And then to see you go to American Idol and I saw you in Memphis on Broadway. And I remember seeing you in the ensemble and I was like, wait, he was on American Idol. And then to see you on YouTube and to see some of your own work go viral. It's just like, it's really cool to connect the dots and to see someone forging their own, their own way Um, across
1: so many different, so many mediums. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so when it when it came to your YouTube channel, sort of getting into uh, your own work taking off, uh, where did that inspiration for some of these videos? I know you have like you have music videos, but then you would recreate Beauty and the Beast and these classic stories that we know. How what was that process like to create such a massive project on this really new, just taking off social media platform?
2: <laughs> it was one of the most exciting chapters of my life. It was filled with so much love and I had so many close friends that were there for me every single day during that chapter and it was just the most creative space ever. I learned so much. I mean, I had never directed anything in my entire life. I didn't consider myself to be a choreographer. Even though I'd written a musical, I didn't consider myself to be a songwriter. I definitely didn't consider myself to be a comedian. So being a social media influencer was a word that didn't really even exist. Yeah. or if it If it did, a very small percentage of America knew what it <laughs> was. And so I felt like I was just like creating being a part of a, a new like generation, a new era, a new movement, and making my own rules because the videos that I w- was making were nothing like what other people were making online. But it, there was clearly an audience for it. And I got to just really express my love for all things Disney, all things Broadway, musical theater, classic movies, and specifically all things Oz. I'd done so many Wizard of Oz remakes and parodies and songs inspired by Oz. And I just loved that it was a place where I was able to reach millions of people without having to be on a TV show that was telling me to appeal to middle America. I started to realize there were a lot of people who were like me, who didn't have content being created for them. And I was there, you know, when I was growing up, I would go home and watch That's So Raven all the time mm-hmm. after school. Yes. And for a lot of these people, I was there, That's So Raven. I was there, Raven Simone. Yes. And they would they would go home and watch my videos and watch them on repeat and uh, fall in love with me and my friends and like my family and my story and my message. And it, it was just an incredible time that I I, I miss from time to time. It was the hardest I had ever worked because I knew that in order for me to like make noise and for people to see me, I had to do 10 times more work than everyone else that was making videos at that time. And, but I was willing to do it. And I had a team of people who really, truly believed in me, who were willing to sacrifice their own lives in some cases in their own careers to be able to be there to support me. And it was just... It was really incredible. And, it, and when I look back on it, if, I, if I'm having a down day, I go turn on those videos and I'll just sit in my theater downstairs and cry mm-hmm. watching the videos that we created together because it was just such a magical moment in time in life.
1: Wow. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. <sighs> just taking a moment <laughs> just for myself. <laughs> um, That's okay. beautiful. Okay. Now going into the Straight Out of Oz, which I love reading about, your inspiration coming from Disney's Zootopia, from Hamilton, from Beyonce's visual album of Lemonade, like unreal. So you had the Oz musical. You also, I love the Pentatonics' Straight Out of Oz. So good. That was pre Straight Out of Oz. Yes. Then Straight Out of Oz came in 2016 correct Mm
2: -hmm.
1: okay so tell us about how that concept like the when did the groundwork feel like it got laid for that concept like the go the green light got pushed and that timeline because i feel like it happened at the most rapid (laughs) pace possible so how did that all happen?
2: <laughs> I was going to go on tour with a, a show called Straight of Oz, but it was all going to just be the new movie Straight of Compton had come out like the year before or okay. something. And I was like, oh, I'm, I was always doing parodies. One of my tours was called Twerk de Soleil. Like it was just yeah, very yeah, interesting yeah, me to do something that was kind of cool. And I had a bunch of songs that I could have made be Wizard of Oz themed or I was going to take popular songs and make them be Oz themed. There was never, ever, ever in any world, a, a, even an idea or a concept that I would make an album based on The Wizard of Oz. So it wasn't not an idea, but I was doing a show and I wanted to promote the tour. So I wrote a little song as the teaser, and that ended up being the, I was in my room on a hoverboard. I was like riding this hoverboard around out. <laughs> and I just started writing, pay no, no attention. attention. I knew it. And so I was like, yeah. Oh my God, I started writing the song and it, it stuck out to me as like, I think people are going to like this. And then I was like, let's make it kind of dark because it's a trailer make people be excited. And the response that I got from just that trailer and like the song people were like, this is one of my favorite things you've ever put out. And it was a 30 second trailer. Wow. And so I was like, well, maybe I should try to like finish that. Or maybe I should write a couple of original songs that I'll sprinkle in, you know, with my tour. That's The tickets are already on sale for, by the way. We're leaving in like five weeks or four weeks, you know, ah. and we, we already have an idea of what we're going to perform and it's done. Like we know what the show's going to be. And I go, I, I'm i dating my boyfriend, Jesse, at the time. And I just start having this like feeling that I need to get out of my house because there's so many people there. I get a hotel room and I go there and I start thinking that I had just had a conversation with Scooter, who was my manager before I did this. And he had said to me like something about like, people can only be invested in you so much if they don't know anything about you. Gone are the days where you can just be a Michael Jackson or Beyonce who have this like level of like, mysterious to them like people want access to your life. They want to know about you. They want to be able to feel like they identify with you or that they are similar to you in some way.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I was
2: like, well, what are the things that people don't know about me? Because I've honestly been hiding behind these characters for so long. And so then I started thinking about what were the deepest, like toughest parts of my life. And I immediately thought of my dad. So then I started thinking about, well, how could I turn that into a song that like was parallel to the Wizard of Oz? And I started thinking about religion and how the streets are paved with gold and heaven and... And so then I started writing um, Over the Rainbow. And once I wrote that, it was kind of like, okay, I don't know what you're going to do, but you got to put this out in some way, shape or form. And my, so then I started that night, I started writing more songs and I don't remember what came next. I think it was If I Had a Heart or one of those songs, it was just, it, it was, I started thinking about like, well, how can I talk about the most like pivotal moments in my career and in my life, but compare it to Story of the Wizard of Oz? Wouldn't that be so cool? And then I'm like, maybe I'll have three songs in the tour that are original. And then I was like, well, maybe we'll do five. then like maybe we'll do nine. And by the end, I don't even remember how many songs there were, There's but there a were a ton, like 20. <laughs> There's, a something.
1: There's a deluxe uh, edition album. it's it's
2: ridiculous and so i just decided like scrap everything i'm pretty much have two weeks to write this all of the music two weeks to film the videos Mm -hmm. and then like a week to (laughs) rehearse the tour and my friends were like todrick what and i was like you guys we we're if anybody can pull this off we can pull it off and i didn't have a lot of money to to produce it and I was talking to Austin's TV at that time, and they were like, "Well, we'll give you some money if you let us document the whole thing." And I was like, "Sure, why not?" You know. And so they gave me, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, and I had to stretch that two hundred thousand uh, dollars to make that entire project. Which was when I look at that I'm like, how could I have ever made that entire thing with two hundred thousand dollars? But I just pulled so many favors and. You know, got was really thrifty and found locations that were cheap and every place that we filmed in, I called them personally and asked them what could they do for a homie deal for a shout out. And we just got together and got a whole bunch of creative people. I put up a post on social media and hundreds of people like message and said they'd love to be a part of it. They'd come donate their makeup. They'd come, you know, help style for free. They had a costume warehouse they could pull from for the Emerald City costumes. And we just were so crafty and we were able to make that entire thing for about like two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Um, while I was also paying to put up the tour and pay for those costumes. And that said, it was absolutely insane, but it was just so, I remember sitting down, they sent me, we were editing videos. So every day we'd shoot like two videos, one in the morning, one at night. And then by the third day, we we would shoot one in the morning, one at night, and we'd get like two edits of the videos that we had shot already. And so every day I was filming all day. And then editing the videos at night and like sleeping for two hours, three hours, sometimes zero hours (laughs) at all. There was one day I was shooting wrong bitch through the night. And then I woke up, went and shot expensive, went and shot, uh, little people and then went and recorded the song color with Jay who had just flown into town. And then we shot color the next day. It was like an insane, like I didn't know what time it was, or anything. But um, mm-hmm. it just it ballooned into something that I never expected it to be. And I was just pouring my heart out. I didn't have time to be vulnerable or think like, what are you saying? I was just right, right. talking about how I was feeling. And when I, it wasn't until I sat down and watched the entire thing from beginning to end, and we were all sitting in the room crying. And we were like, this is really special. Like We were all looking mm-hmm. around like, what did we make here? Mm-hmm. We made it so fast, we didn't even realize we were making it. It was insane.
0: Whew. I like want you to have all the sleep that you ever need. Yeah. Now after that. <laughs> oh my gosh. The Wei song,
1: Arrested Body, Arrested, Arrested Mind is Arrested Body. I love
0: that. Oh my gosh. What, but aside from just like your passion and love for Oz, like what is an internal, there's got to be like an internal motor or glue that, in those intense periods where you're not sleeping, you have a deadline, you're trying to like learn on the fly. What is, What would you say that is inside you with this project specifically that you were like, I'm doing this even if I have zero hours of sleep? That's a sacrifice.
2: It's just a huge sacrifice. I felt like I had so much to prove. It was a very important mm-hmm. piece to me. I had, Once I had already dipped my toe in, I had to either jump Fully in or get out of the pool. And I was not, Mm -hmm. my, my fans were already buying tickets to come and see the show. So I had no choice but to get it done. And it wasn't even, I had fun doing it. Like it was just, I was like slapping myself in the face, trying to make sure that I could stay awake. But it wasn't hard to be motivated and I think the entire team wanted to get it done. We were all so happy. It was like the high that we got, we'd be exhausted driving to set. We'd get there and start filming in the high that we'd get when we saw the, the playback of what we filmed and how cinematic it looked. And without Beyonce's lemonade, I wouldn't have, I mean, that was like my inspiration for doing it. And yeah, when I was looking at the footage, I was like this is so cool. Like, it's just so much fun and for anybody who's a Wizard of Oz fan, they're going to love this cuz they're going to recognize all of the the hidden messages and the the lyrical content and they're going to appreciate it in a way that I mean, I was making this for my fans specifically, but for people who are fans of Oz, because there were some lines in there that I'm like, only someone who is truly an Oz fan is going mm-hmm. to appreciate this to its fullest.
1: Oh, we and, appreciate
2: um, it. <laughs> I'm so glad that you liked it. What were you thinking when you saw it and how did you stumble across it?
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like I watched it full through. Like I had heard about it for some time. Mm-hmm. And then like, I was like, I'm going to sit down. And like, we had all the time in the world to sit down about a year ago. <laughs> yes, so, we did <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think I watched it in like May, 2020 full through. And I, I think my first, I mean, a, I was like, I want to go out dancing tonight. That was like my first <laughs> like number one reaction. I was like, I must go out dancing. And then my second one was, this is so damn smart it yeah. is so smart and so specific to this one human this is when i think it's this is what i think i always find to be like fascinating and something i want to watch again is when it's so specific to one human but at the same time universal, universal. Yeah. like i don't know how that that's like a kind of magic that just sometimes happens i mean i listen to this album so much i think it's so much fun um And I I wanted to – I'll let Em answer this. I have some specific, like, lyric (gasps) questions because I'm obsessed with the lyrics. Obsessed.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. I mean, how could we not be obsessed?
0: I love projects where you can listen to the album and get the story, but then, like, individually it means something. But then to be able to watch it visually and see the whole through line that, as you mentioned, is so specific to you. Like, we learned more about your life and – saw how Oz can be this framework for everyone to tell their story in only the way they can, but then it also speaks to all of these bigger issues, um, is so inspiring to me. And um, I mean, it's just so creative. And I also loved how – I'm very curious, and we can get into this later, but all of the artists that you brought in, like, it just seemed so –
1: specific the pool was thick like, yeah was I mean it's
0: insane like watching it you're just like oh my gosh wait whoa yeah. Shanice is there wait everyone's here this Love is Shanice. so exciting <laughs> um I just thought all the casting choices you made were so smart and it was just fun on two levels it was fun to watch as an Oz fan but then it was fun to dig deeper and hear more about your story and what Oz means to you so yeah. I feel like you could watch it multiple times and get different messages and it's just so much fun yeah
1: we, we watched it together for the first time like mm-hmm. and we were having the most fun that's uh-huh. like, that i think is we all need those things that we can return to like we know is going to be that ticket to like relaxation fun whatever it might be and i feel mm-hmm. like definitely straight out of oz is one of mine as an uh-huh. oz i
2: and love Oscar. that so much
1: yeah. yeah we practice the color riff a lot yeah <laughs> we'll do it for you at some point <laughs> We are obsessed been practicing, with color.
0: We're trying. We're
1: obsessed with color. It's one of our faves. Okay. So talking, I'm obsessed with No Place Like Home. Like how you start this whole thing right out of the gate is like amazing. I mean, I love that you're in like this dusty, antique yeah. attic. And it feels very Moulin Rougey too. Like mm. a little, there was a boy. Like it has a little bit of that energy, which I'm like always dig. Mm-hmm. Um, And like you – we we start to feel like, oh, like there's these characters, it looks like they're coming out of a deep slumber. Like yeah. the scarecrow's coming out of a deep slumber. In the it it, it's so cool. And then we're being told to pay no attention, but we're clearly supposed to pay <laughs> attention. We're <laughs> yes. clearly supposed to be questioning, like, who are the people who steal your dreams? Who are the who what lies are you being fed? Um, who is maybe all talk and no show. So I'm curious, because these lyrics, I think, are just like, you could use these lyrics to do almost a personal reflection for yourself at any time. That's like one of our favorite things to do in the world at VOD. So can I ask you, what would you be asking us to pay attention to now? Even if you're saying pay no, what -hmm. would you be asking us to pay attention to? And like, what wizards do you feel like you're consistently trying to overthrow? Maybe even if it's like a personal wizard, like a personal demony wizard.
2: Every day I'm thinking about like what we were kind of talking about earlier. There are so many rules that we have been told that we should follow. Mm-hmm. And we are following them. Like a lot of times I yep. love that scene in Devil Wears Prada where Meryl Streep explains that just because you're wearing this blue shirt doesn't mean that you're not involved in the fashion industry. You're you're just making a choice out of the choices that we gave you.
1: This came up on a recent one of our episodes. That example yeah. just came up on a recent one of our episodes. It's yeah. so funny.
2: It's one of the most iconic things that has ever happened in film. I <laughs> 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 yeah, agree. Because it can be applied to so many things. And I just think that a lot of times people, I don't know how to put into words what I'm trying to say, because it's such a foreign concept oftentimes for people to think of, but like sometimes you think that you're starting at zero or one when really you're starting at negative five, you know, like sometimes we hold things that are not actually truth to be truth. Truth, And then we start from there as opposed to thinking, why is that one of our truths? And so I would say that anything that society is telling you You should you should be paying attention to it. You should be like questioning everything that you've Mm -hmm. been told and everything that we've been taught, from what girls' jobs and roles are supposed to be to what what the stereotypes Mm -hmm. that you've been fed that could be based in truth but could not be. Um, I think that society has always tried to have power over us in some way, shape, or form, and has tried to tell girls what they're capable of. Tell people what gay people are and what they're not and and sometimes people believe those things before they even take the chance to like question it. They'll believe it for themselves. It's kind of like there are a lot of people who believe in religions with books and bibles that they've never actually read but they'd be willing to stake their whole life on it. And to me, yep. I'm like I believe sure you should be religious. Why not? But if you're going to stake your whole life on it and be willing to pass judgment on other people, you should have definitely read the book and fully, mm. fully understand what it says. And I think that most people, if they said that they've read the book from front to back, which it's not that long of a book that you couldn't read it, you definitely spent time on Netflix doing things that are less important than you know finding out about the religion that you say that you believe in more than anything. So- Not to drag anybody, but, you know, like that's what I'm saying. We should be paying attention. And it's fine if we still make the choice as a girl to have long hair and wear dresses and as a boy to wear short hair and wear pants. But we should just know that that's not really a decision that we made. It's a decision to society. It's an easy decision that society gave us as a, a very, very strong option and something that's safe to choose. And I think that that a lot of people don't think about that.
1: A hundred percent. Oh God. Like, yeah. Why does gender equal this? Like if you are this gender, why does it mean you dress this way? A hundred percent.
0: You're like asking us to wake up to these things that are there. Question.
1: Why on Wednesdays do we wear pink? (laughs) Why do we?
2: That is a question we've been wanting to know for eons, darling. Tell
1: us. (laughs) Why? Why Wednesdays? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Now getting... I love you. Come out of the gate with Straight Out of Oz, like already getting like yes, yeah, so it's like we could be personalizing this these lyrics to something like we're like oh, what should I be paying attention to, and then we get to go into your upbringing and the mixed messages. Like that's what I feel when I watch the beginning, which like I totally have noted. What is it on Hamilton that I always say satisfied into? Uh helpless. Oh yeah, Helpful. helpless and dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. I was like, my helpless and dissatisfied for Todrick <laughs> is um black and white into color. Like that is my like sexual. I'm like play, 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 play. Over and over. Play, 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 play. But yeah. the beginning of this, like we feel or what I what I feel watching you go through this journey is just the mixed messages and like the pressure to be something that is not feeling correct being put on you. Um, especially like I love all the school scenes. I feel like I'm on the set of like Revolting Children. Yes. Matilda meets Oops yes. again. I wanted I was to be like, there so bad. I was yeah. like, we're Britney
2: Spears and Matilda at the same time. Yes, like, this
1: is excellent.
2: <laughs> oh, love it. This is my favorite <laughs> podcast I've ever done in my entire life.
1: <laughs> we just, you know, we gotta, we gotta bring in in these things. And then I love, and of course, like yeah, color is just. I think color is my favorite, Todrick.
2: Mm. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. If you had yeah. asked me what's my favorite song on the album, I would have without a doubt said color.
1: We sing it all the time. We do. We're like, can we practice that riff? Because it's so clear. Yeah. <laughs> we're 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 trying. <laughs> I, love thing, it. I love little people so much yeah. too also not gonna lie so I, I got a haircut today and I was thinking maybe I'm gonna dye it again I used the girl who sings first in little people that blonde purple I was like this is what I want to my hairdresser. <laughs> oh my from gosh. little people so you're inspiring our fashion you're, in, you're inspiring salon choices <laughs> at this point so little people can you talk about some of the people who did work on straight out of Oz specifically who were like those good witches those undercover good witches in the background that got this whole thing to happen. Because like you said, it happened two weeks. I'm still not okay about that. But who are some of the people you'd love to shout out on this podcast that we could like bow down to?
2: I would just say, I mean, uh, everything that I did on my YouTube channel from basically, I I don't know, for about five years or at least would be like Chester Lockhart would be the first person that I would think. I mean, he he lived in my house and he Basically devoted his entire life um, and career to helping me. Chester is non-binary now, so I should say they. They helped me create everything that I that I did, and they were so selfless the entire time that we were working together. And Chester was was able to. During the time that they worked for me, they learned how to like produce. They learned how to basically direct. They starred in the videos. They learned the choreography. They were helping wrangle all of the cast members and performers. And um, there wasn't yeah. a single video that I did that Chester wasn't there for. And I would always ask them, like, how do I look? Like, give me notes. <laughs> and I always knew that the notes were gonna come from a selfless place and and that. Chester knew exactly what I wanted to look like in every scene. So Mm -hmm. Chester would be the first person. But then I would say Jamie Bennett, this, this guy, Jamie Bennett was like one of my dancers for a while and is still a good friend of mine, but he really, really came through, um, and was was helping me. He had a couple of friends that were helping me all the time. But Jamie was a really huge, huge, huge help during that process. My All my close group of friends, you know, Jenny, um, Carly, Vonzel, um, like Thursday, all of the people that were in my life at that time helped a lot with those videos. But those are the first two people that come to mind.
1: Oh, mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's always so good to get a glimpse, even behind like your curtain, which we'll talk about your documentary too, which yes! is awesome, but just to get even more of a glimpse of like what these people mean to you.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And you need, you need those people who will give you that feedback and you know, it's coming from a good place. And I feel like you yes. were
1: surrounded by people who had your back. And then yes. you go, and then you go into Los Oz Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay. How did this concept start stringing together of like, because then we get the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion, they kind of represent all these different ideas or stereotypes or even tropes, even like the scarecrow's speaking truth that just gets Mm kind of like brushed off, but it's like, Oh no, that's actually correct. Listen to that. (laughs) Why aren't we questioning those things? The tin man is going through a really, really, really rough time and probably in the hands of someone who doesn't know how to care for that rough time um yeah. and i love lion to myself i think that song is amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. this like toxic masculinity that often is what young male identifying humans are like oh is that like what i'm supposed That's to be, to, to, be to be a person in power or yeah to have to have any kind of agency Right? When it's like, yeah. why? Again, why? Like, the question of why is so strong in all of these. But how did this start, like, stringing together to make this all a part of this glossy world that we're not questioning enough?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I just was singing about things that I was passionate about. I've always hated toxic masculinity. So, lying to myself was easy to think of because I that's always that's felt good. like the mm-hmm. lion. The whole purpose of the lion and what is courage? Are you not brave because you cry, because you, you, Take the high road in a situation where you could just be a like wild beast and like destroy someone. But if you know, are, is, does that make you less brave? Does it make you less of a man? That was a very easy song for me to come up with. Dumb was like one of my favorite songs to write. I had so much fun writing all the lyrics to that song because. It was just a cool, like, beat and stuff. And that's one of the only songs, just so you know, when I write songs, I always write the songs, record them a cappella, and then they make the beat and the tracks yeah. Yeah, yeah. to my that's song, cool. which is very, very uncommon. Most people do not do that. But Low,
0: wow,
2: I've only written two songs, I think, in my career to a track that already existed, and Lo already existed when i wrote the song to it um but i just was like imagining this scarecrow sitting up on a fence like saying something that's like really true but no one's really listening to him because he's just a scarecrow that's why i like i like the line what does he know he's just a scarecrow um uh i think that that line is so powerful because you wouldn't listen to this person but everything that i say in those lyrics is just so true and I think that before there was conversations about white privilege and with uh, before black excellence was being l- uplifted as much as it is. I mean, the world has just changed so much since 2016. The conversations 100%. that were happening, it feels like 2016 might as well have been the eighties. It's, it's. the the advancements that we're making and conversations that we're having and being given the space to have are so different. But even in 2016, I had things that I really wanted to say to my white friends, to the people that I was dating, the people I considered to be close to me. And I didn't even in 2016 feel like I had the comfortability to say the things that I really wanted to say. So that was the Mm -hmm. first time I ever spoke on those things and all of the jobs I didn't get because I was black and all of the opportunities that i didn't get and um i just felt like i had a lot of things to say and the best way i could say them since i couldn't have real conversations i felt at that moment was to put them in lyrics and Mm -hmm. and disguise it with the scarecrow so that people heard the lyrics uh, but but didn't feel like it was like beating them over the head because no one wants to learn that way um and so yeah i i was really grateful that i that The universe or whatever, like blessed me with this idea to like be able to express things, but in a creative um, way with one of my favorite stories, because I think the people who wanted to hear the songs, is just like a bop to dance to heard that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the people who wanted to get the message got that as well.
1: Right. Oh, that's such a great point of. And that's even like the same person, like one day it could be about the bop. <laughs> like, yeah, I just want to, I, 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 I as soon as I hear, I think that's dumb. Oh, I oh, like it. immediately start dancing. It then is such there's a bop. Times where it's like, let's zero in on these lyrics and let's like really see what's making sense to my brain. I feel today. like that's so
0: true to the scarecrow of the book too, you know, and his character yes, is like, he says things he's always like- the one <laughs> figuring things out, but everyone's like. He's flammable, except Dorothy. <laughs> yeah, yes,
1: he's a liability. He's a li- he's a liability <laughs> yeah. on this team. Yeah. But Dorothy sees. I
2: also yeah. I also felt like I would I would thought about for two seconds doing something that was a little in- more intelligent than calling the song dumb, but I just wanted it to be so simple. Like, well, I think that's dumb. Like, I would I love, love to meet this version of the Scarecrow because he's just like, well, I think it's dumb. I don't know, but it doesn't make sense to me. But what do I know? You know, like, but he thinks that he doesn't understand the way the world is, but he's seeing things like exactly as they are, which I wish that more humans could do, but we're so affected and so programmed that we sometimes can't see things that way. So that was one of my favorite songs to write. That and Poppy. I loved writing the verses to Poppy. (laughs) I, I remember writing the song and thinking to myself, like, I know Nicole is really fierce, but will she be able to sing this song in this key? And so I called her up and I was like, Nicole, I just want to make sure like you can sing the song in this key. And I started going to to the piano and she said, Todrick, don't be ridiculous. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Like She didn't even, I'm like, find you a friend with that much confidence and a vocal range that just don't quit, that they don't even need to hear the key of the song because it doesn't matter. Whatever the key is, she can nail it. And when she was in that studio, I was just like, Oh my gosh, like the inner child in me was losing my the teenage version of me that like wanted to be a pussycat doll and
1: and (laughs)
2: buttons and when I grow up was like dying because her voice is so iconic and so recognizable for our generation. The early two thousands the pussycat dolls were just like everything, you know? And I don't know. That was just one of those surreal moments for me. I couldn't believe that in two weeks, all those people came in, donated their time, came to the studio, performed those songs, came and filmed them. Like as we were going through, and Wayne Brady showed up, and Amber Riley showed up, and Jordan Sparks, and and Nicole Scherzinger, and Joseph Gordon Levitt. I was like, what (laughs) is happening? How? I just knew that it was something that was meant to be done because I should not have ever been able to get all of those people at that level of my career anyway, they didn't ask to hear the songs before they came. They didn't ask like wow. nothing. They're just like, great, we'll be there. You tell us what to sing, we'll do it. But yeah, no one asked for any of the material. They didn't even know what they were going to be a part of. They just were like, sure, tell me where to be. I'll be there. It was just a crazy thing where the stars just aligned and everything just worked out. And every day after we got off set, we are like, Bob the drag queen was just here with us. Ah, until I love Bob. Like, like, What is our life like? what is going on? Perez Hilton is like, sure, I'll show up and I'll come and do it.
0: There's like such a magical energy around projects that revolve around Oz. And it sounds like around your project, people are like, yes, I'll do this. I'll be there.
1: You stood at a unique intersection of like having something people recognize and also you, you, you and what you create. So it's just like, oh, there's the magnet that made sense.
0: But Poppy's, oh, I love, I love it. Your, your rap interlude. That's one of my favorite moments of the whole project because we've all been there where we're like,
2: oh, I found myself in the strangest predicament at that part. Yes yes, 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 yes. Thank
1: you, thank you. Yes, <laughs> thank you for referencing. I love when the beat drops. Or a, I don't know. The yeah. Time. When it goes back into that, I'm like, oh. Ah. Because
0: we've all been in some kind of situation where it's like, oh, gosh, I'm really questioning. Like, is this is a this good this move for it?
2: this
1: and not a good move for this? And yeah, blah, blah. yeah. I thought it was yeah. so creative.
2: That song, I never really talked about this before, but I was in a situation when I was casting my first Broadway show where there was a casting director who just kept pursuing me. And I'd never thought, because when I heard like the Me Too movement, I kept thinking about women. And I'm like, oh, that's so horrible that they've gone through that. And then I started thinking about Poppy and why I wrote that song. And I was like, you went through this, like, you experienced this. You are a part of the Me Too movement. You had somebody aggressively trying to get with you and use you to like, get ahead. And, you know, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't really know, like, why it was so hard for me to talk about that, like, before or ever since then, I've never really spoken about it. But I do know that it was one of those things that was really difficult to, like, understand that I had been a part of that. Because I think if someone is doing their job well, when they're trying to manipulate you into doing those things, they make you feel bad for not Shutting them down to begin with. And it took me watching like a documentary that Oprah was talking about saying, like, if someone who is a predator or someone who is using their power to sexually abuse you or to sexually intimidate you or to 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 not take no for an answer it's not going to necessarily feel like some villain shows up in a mask and like, you know, it it might feel like a situation that you feel that you played a part in it, which is a a lot of the reason why people don't speak up. And so that song, even that part in itself was like a freedom for me to be able to express that and take that power back. And now when I think of that moment, I don't think of a horrible moment where I was scared to get on the internet and questioning if I should have ever been on Broadway before or if I got it because someone wanted to sleep with me. Now I, I think about this badass song that i wrote and and it feels like empowering to know that i spoke up i said my piece when i was asked about that situation when this person's job was in question i was like i don't know that this person is a bad person but i know that they've made some bad decisions and i know that i've been a part of it and i think i should speak up and let you know that this person is someone who's abusing their their job casting broadway shows and and making people feel like they can't speak up you know and, and that's, that's not right. It's just, I just knew that it wasn't right. And it took me such a long time to say that. So that song is such a badass song and I had so much fun writing it. Um, and I love the fact that that song exists now, because as I said earlier, now, when I think back to that moment, I don't feel sad or I don't feel taken advantage of as much as I wow. did before I wrote that song.
1: Reclamation. that. Mm. It's for sharing. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And we've had some conversations, a lot of conversations, about the Me Too movement, but also even like peeling back even more that it is not just for women. Like I think that had something that was a little bit of the story that was being communicated at the top of Mm -hmm. the whole movement. But there is this is for all genders, (laughs) and thank you for sharing because I think it gets a little trickier sometimes to share um, in the various forms this could look like like what abuse can look like and like you said like when you feel like you played a part it goes back to like this kind of like victim blaming mm-hmm. in a way Complicate it, and yes. so thank you for capturing the complications yes of that and poppy i was also thinking oh my god in emerald city that lyric those who look expensive could be broke on the inside and then you just like leave the song and i'm like how dare you <laughs> leave us <laughs> in that lyric Ooh. And I think we are we at Monkey Airlines, which I also love so much. But I'm like, how dare you leave that lyric like that? Like that question too. Like just all these things just make me go right, right, right. Like questioning, questioning, like facades. When I look at someone who looks like they have money, that I immediately put, oh, they're fine. It's like, how do you know that? How you do you? Know that? Are they fine? Or is like what I'm perceiving fine? Right.
2: One thing that I've learned about being in this industry, and I can say there have been lots of moments that I've been like this, is that people expect that because you have a verified check that you have endless amounts of money and they don't realize that with your life and with your house and you know, like, I don't know. I've experienced that even this year, moving into this home, like, which I love, but this house has created a facade with people that I must not have any problems and that financially I should be great. I've never had more people reaching out Mm. to me, asking me for money. And Mm. when I can, I try to help people, but I also like, don't think that people understand how difficult it is to, to, to own a home in Los Angeles. And that also like, when you are in a situation where everywhere you go, people are stopping you nonstop and you can't have privacy. You can't, I mean, I can't go to Disneyland and just have fun with my friends. Like I used to be able to back in the day. And so a lot of these people spend this money on these homes because this is the only place they feel safe. The only place that they can actually feel like they are themselves. And, um, and so you need to build up, get a big home because it's not, because you don't really get to go any other place and like be free, you know. Like this is the one place in the world where I can like let my hair down, um, so to speak, and be able to like be a real, raw, genuine person. Because I've gotten so used to the second I step outside my house performing, even though I am not like Beyonce, Taylor Swift, famous, but in worlds that I go in where I'm like in West Hollywood or the gay community, most people that are in those communities know who I am. And they're probably only going to meet you that one time. And word of mouth is the most powerful form of, um, of promotion or, or, and, and it could either be a great thing or horrible thing. If you go outside and have bad experiences with people, because you just are having a bad day because you're human, those things could be costly for you like long-term. So you have to just be prepared every single time you go out to have an outfit on that you feel okay with a photo being taken to be able to look like you're in a good mood when you're sitting down eating because even if you're just concentrating too much it's not what you say like your energy mm-hmm. could give off that and you also have to learn how to disarm people and let people know that you come in peace because when you walk in a room people know so much about you and you know nothing about them and they have preconceived oh ideas God. of who you are yep. and you have to like make them feel, you have to go above and beyond sometimes to let people know like I'm not coming to you as a threat like I'm cool we're cool everything's fine and that is something that's so, so, so difficult for me or has been difficult for me to learn. And also there are so many people who like get here to this city, start living a lifestyle when they're making millions of dollars. And it's like, well, what do you do when one day you're not popular anymore? You can't sell out the show anymore. You're not selling the tickets. You're not selling the albums. Do you go get a job at Walgreens or McDonald's? Like, can you actually do that and be able to like survive and keep your the, the life that you you know, have built, it just gets really, really difficult. And there's not anybody really out there to like help you when you're in that situation, because to them, you're already living an extreme life. So it's, it's really, really difficult. And that song green, like really let me know that there were times that I was like, Yeah, I'm in Forbes and I made millions of dollars, but I don't know where any of that money is, to be completely honest. And so um, my relationship with money has had to change over the past few years and I've had to like really start to value it in a different way. And um, yeah, but I I was going through that at that time where I was like, I guess people think that you're famous. So you are supposed to have this amount of money and you're supposed to project to people Mm -hmm. that you do this because no one wants to be a fan of somebody who's not successful. You know, like no one wants to be a, buy tickets to your show if you're not also rich or famous. Like, why would they come and see you? It's it's gotten to us a, a point in society where it's not about talent anymore. They don't want to come and see you if you're broke. They want to come see you because they think that your your life is fabulous and lavish and that you're rich and somebody that they would want to be. And no one wants to be a homeless person. People want to be. Steve Jobs, they want to be a Kardashian, they want to be Beyonce, they want to be Taylor, they don't want to be a regular person. And I don't, I don't know, I think that's problematic in and of itself, you yeah. know. And I've contributed to that and I've written songs, you know, that's why expensive people hear it and they think it's about money. And really, it's not about that at all, you know, it's about. The fact that people feel like they need money to be relevant to be successful in a lot of cases—sad to say—but they would be right, you know.
1: Yeah, a lot of our spaces are just dictated dictated by like the coin.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's just we. This always comes up in Oz because yeah. capitalism is how our whole entire country operates. Yeah. So it just how that manifests um, especially when we don't have something like a royal family we don't have something to look at like we've created our own royal family Mm -hmm. through actors which I always find to be interesting I'm like why was it actors Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just so it's so interesting that that's like what we chose to like become fan magazine obsessed Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. Um, that is so fascinating thank you for sharing It's so good because we do, we do, we throw our projections onto everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it does take having conversations to like peel back those, peel back what we thought we knew. Yeah. And this leads to, I mean, what are guns is just that song hits in the gut because this is still a problem in our country. Having, um, having gun violence, having easy access to guns. And it's what an interesting concept to take, to look at like, and you tell me if I'm wrong with this. With Dorothy, like, killing the Wicked Witch of the West. It's an accident. I didn't know. Like, water. And, like, we have this happening kind of a lot with cops, especially against black bodies, being like, I didn't know. I just pulled the trigger. And then a life is gone. Um, And then these cops either not having accountability, not seeing the kinds of... um, justice seeking getting the kind of justice that should be required of them because they have this immunity or this protection of some kind so just seeing that parallel come in like what if the wicked witch of the west was like accidentally murdered and like she really represented a cause that we should have been listening to yeah holy cow and like you were doing this at the time of pulse being so present in people's hearts bodies souls and then also, Las Vegas, correct? Because you went back on the tour with this in 2017. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So like, I was actually well, in Las
2: Vegas when that happened.
1: No. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, it
2: was insane.
1: Oh my God. What was the audience reaction like to seeing this song in conjunction with either of those two horrible mass shootings or just in general as you got to do this song on
2: the road? <laughs> The energy was just absolutely insane. And um, it was something that hit really like hit home for me because I had lost a friend who I'd lost a friend who was a police officer and I'd lost a friend who had been killed by a police. So I was kind of in this weird area where I was like. You know, I, I see both sides of this situation and I think that there are some great cops out there, but mostly it's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like, I think that there is genuinely a world where some of these cops are so programmed to be afraid of black people that they don't even realize that they're afraid of black people. If you ask them, I think they would give you an answer and say no, but they're not even realizing that that's not the truth. They're, they don't want to be honest with themselves. So I think it's difficult you know, we all have like responses to stereotypes. And if you see a big black guy coming towards you with a hoodie on or something, sometimes your response, because of media, what you've seen in movies and television and film is to be afraid. And I, I think that it's, I think that it is okay for you to acknowledge that we have had that experience, that that is the way black people have been presented in media and in movies and on television. And there is a bigger problem here that we need to address because us just like hiding our hands and saying that it doesn't exist is 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 not really helping the situation because that's the reason why it's it's being done, you know? And I think that there's a lot of people to be called a racist these days is like the worst thing that you could be called. But I think that there's sometimes some truth in the fact that, you know, Avenue Q didn't lie when they said everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. And I think that in order for you to start actively practicing being non-racist and not having these huge biases. You have to be willing to accept that they exist to begin with. And I think a lot of people are not ready to have that conversation and they're not. So, and so therefore that they can't move forward and they can't operate as a person who is legitimately not racist because they can't even accept the racism that lives within them. And so I was hoping by making these analogies and, you know, the witch gets killed, gets killed with water. So I put the water guns in, in the story and also making the people green would help people see that we all, even though we don't know any green people, we have a response to someone being green. Like we've seen these stories of, you know, like the Monsters Inc or the Grinch or whatever characters right. that we, mm. that we have that, we may be like, I don't have a thing against people who are green, but I wouldn't want to be one. And I'd definitely be a little like grossed out if I saw someone who was one, so that maybe you're like, well, if I have that response to someone green, maybe I secretly subconsciously have this response to someone who's black. And um, the response from the audience every night was just absolutely like out of this world. It would mean so many people shared their stories with me at the meet and greets on that tour from friends that they had lost. And it was a really, really powerful moment in the show.
0: Mm, I'm so grateful that you wrote that because when these tragedies happen and trying to process through them, it can feel overwhelming to even try mm-hmm. to feel those emotions. Like, like I, yeah, I even seeing Christina Grimmie's name in the video and like we are Orlando. It's like it's it makes you want to cry right then and there. But having a piece of art and a song is like it just really helps you be able to a little bit, feel like you can process it a little better so i'm grateful yeah that it's there and i think we still need that song for sure so
1: thank you yeah and we watched behind the curtain uh, before or after we watched straight out of us together i think before we watched oh, it fine. together okay. yeah. yeah yeah what stood out to us from watching this documentary which i we didn't know that like that was a part of this whole like being be straight out of Oz happened because of this documentary helping fun. Yeah.
2: It happened because of, we were going to be doing this tour.
1: Wow. Amazing. So this documentary is awesome. It's called behind the curtain and it gives you a sneak peek into <laughs> this path that is very Todrick of doing a visual concept album and then going on the road. So yes. you get to see the magic, the mayhem, all of it that's happening. Um, what stood out to us was just this responsibility that we see in you to be there for your fans. Um, Even if that means like you're sacrificing sleep, you are at the dressing room signing your name to, I was like, Oh, that's like a thousand (laughs) headshots. That must be a thousand. He's going to go sign a thousand headshots. But what is, what does that, what does that mean to you when you do these actions? What are you hoping these folks who take whatever that might be, the signed picture, the staying after at the stage door, um, what are you hoping that gives them?
2: I'm hoping that you're able to, you know, I feel like there are so many people who don't have like a person at all that exists that represents them on social media. And especially because a lot of my career has been hiding behind characters and being so like, fabulous and confident and stuff. Sometimes I think it's really important for people to realize that I'm like a real human. That's one of the comments that my fans say to me all the time, like you're real. Like, because I wear these Mm -hmm. over the top costumes that make people think like he's not a real human being, you know? And um, so I really like to try my hardest to like give everybody like eye contact and have a moment with them and listen to their story and help them understand what, you know, some of them are like, want to know like what they can do to come out of the closet. They're talking to me and they're so scared to tell me because their parent is sitting right there. And I'm like, babe, your parent brought Mm -hmm. you to this show and sat down and saw this message and sees how much I mean to you. I think that they might accept you, but it's also a very sketchy territory because you don't want to tell somebody to come out of the closet because in some cases their scenario, their life is not your life and they're not actually safe and it's not a safe space for them to do it. And, um, So it's it's just always a very, very difficult dance that I dance every night at the meet and greet. But what I do know is that me meeting them is a life-changing experience for some of them. And it gives them the fuel and ammunition to make it through another year in their homes where they're not accepted and in their schools where they're also not accepted. Luckily, I felt love at home so I could go to school and be bullied but could be recharged at home. But some people, they don't know whether they'd rather be bullied at school or go home where it's even worse and all the attention is on them. I mean, it's a really scary world that we live in for some people whose parents, unfortunately, because of their programming, don't even know how to love them. And, you know, it's like, it's also not the parent's fault that they're so close-minded because they're not doing that thing when we're talking about paying attention. They're just taking something and they're, they're, they're passing judgment on someone. And they're oftentimes not even, they don't really care that their kid is gay. They care about what the people at church are going to say about their kid being gay or what their friends are going to think. And... That's the scariest part. So I just try to go every day and just do the best I can to hug them and show them love and let them know that they're seen, to see, let them surround themselves by people who are also walking in similar paths and down similar roads and hope that that's enough to like let them know that they're valued and that their story and their life and their message and their existence is necessary. And even as small as that may seem, that is huge to a lot of people. And doing this has let me really really be able to see that
0: yeah thank you for sharing that and i mean that was one of my favorite parts of the documentary was when you said back in the day people kids just thought they were the only one they didn't know other people existed like them and now through youtube and through your music they can know no those people do exist i'm not alone so just by doing what you do you're helping the world
1: Uh and you are a vision you are a vision in red sparkly shoes wherever you go (laughs) um whether it be on the broadway stage in a little musical by Cyndi (laughs) Lauper or in your own created work. yeah. Like I just, when I see you specifically in like sparkly red shoes, I see like someone who's not afraid to be seen. And I think that message too, like there's so many ways I think we think we have to look or be, but like if we just are ourselves and can put ourselves out there, like that is one of the most powerful things anyone can learn in this lifetime. And thank you for leading by example. Yes.
2: Oh, thank you. It was so nice to meet the both of you. I can't wait to meet you in person. We got to make Yay! this happen somehow. We will
1: make it happen. Got to shout out our friend Ryan J. Yes, thank you, Ryan J. We
0: love yes. Ryan.
2: Yes, we love Ryan J. Darling.
1: Right? Oh, Ryan, Ryan J. is our everything. Our good witch, wizard, yes. scarecrow, Tin yes. Man, all lion. of the above.
0: All of the above. But thank you Same. so much, Todrick, for your time. We're we're gonna be big fans always, and we're so happy to to have had this conversation thank yeah. you for
1: sharing your heart with us we will for return to Oz with you at any time okay? <laughs> <Anytime>. I cannot <laughs>
2: wait it's a date
1: <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod if you are feeling frisky with your fingertips scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a glowing rate and
0: review until next time Catch us at Down the Yellow Brick Pod in our Technicolor scrapbook on IG and partying on our Patreon. Gratitude to our patrons of present and future for making more magic possible.
1: Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? TTYL!